Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear Nasal Spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean, not just rinse, your nose. Clear Nasal Spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic holistic physician, best-selling author, international speaker, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Vitamin D, aka the sun vitamin, is a steroid with hormone-like activity and regulates the functions of over 200 genes and is essential for growth and development. Such an important nutrient for human life, but there is a huge global health problem of vitamin D deficiency. It's truly a pandemic issue. Over a billion people worldwide are suffering from insufficient or deficient in vitamin D, and nobody's declaring that this is a health emergency. Vitamin D3 deficiency is linked to obesity, diabetes, hypertension, depression, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, osteoporosis, and neurodegenerative diseases, including Alzheimer's disease, and may even contribute to the development of cancers, especially breast, prostate, and colon cancers. Now, today on Wellness for Life, we are going to discuss the importance of vitamin D with Dr. Nicole Avina. She's a researcher neuroscientist, and an expert in the fields of nutrition, diet, and addiction. She's also the best-selling author of What to Eat When You're Pregnant. Welcome, Dr. Nicole. Oh, thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here and talk with you today. Awesome, awesome. Let's just go into what, what does vitamin D deficiency look like? What are the signs and symptoms that our listeners can look out for? Yeah, so the thing about vitamin D deficiency is that the symptoms that it expresses actually look a lot like symptoms that we might see with other types of disorders. And so a lot of times people will experience these symptoms and and not really think it could be vitamin D deficiency. So things like fatigue or bone or joint pain or even respiratory symptoms like feeling like you're suddenly coming down with difficulty breathing or even the development of asthma. These are some of the common types of symptoms that we see. And, you know, these are the types of things that we will see as symptoms associated with other disorders, too. So it's not always the case that people automatically realize or assume that it could be something associated with their diet and something that they can actually relatively easily fix. Right. You know, I've got to tell you about a patient. Uh, this patient came in because I treat a lot of gut disorders, um, but she went to five different, I mean, GI doctors and had MRI. She did it all, everything. Uh, and she w- had these terrible pains, cramping and pain in her gut. Um, sometimes she had diarrhea, et cetera. But anyway, it ended up being a vitamin D deficiency. I could not believe it was below 20. I think it was 18 nanograms per ml. And I, I said, you know what? We've got to definitely get that vitamin D up. And within, I'd say about six to seven days, wow, what a turnaround. 
just by giving vitamin D. She was someone who's who's darker complected. Um, she was Iranian, mm. and she didn't go outside much, didn't get much vitamin D from the sun. So I just gave her high, we had to give her high dosages for a while right. to get that level up. But let me tell you, her her gut completely changed, completely changed with just a few dollars of supplements. It's amazing how quickly, too, people can feel, you know, different and just feel better, feel this sense of relief just by making this, you know, relatively cheap, like you said, and small change. Right, right. You know, one of the things that people don't realize, or at least even the doctors are not even aware of, even it's such an easy blood test. The medical doctors, so many, and I'm talking about, gosh, maybe 50% of my patients, if not more, who've already come into my office with their blood tests results, there's not a vitamin D25OH test on that lab result. They don't even test it out. What's going on there? Yeah, I think it's really something that you need to request. And I think that that's why it's really important that people have these frank conversations with their practitioners. And ask, you know, okay, if I'm getting my yearly blood work done, what are you going to test for? What does that entail? What is the standard test you're going to put out there on the list? And, you know, if you're experiencing certain types of symptoms, like if you're, you know, feeling tired or lethargic, you know, these are things that could potentially be associated with a deficiency in a vitamin like D or potentially some other vitamin like B12, for instance. So it's really important to have that conversation and talk to your healthcare provider and tell them, you know, that you're interested in finding out about these levels and seeing if this could be associated with some of the symptoms you might be experiencing. Exactly. I actually think, um, and this is my own opinion, that every uh, every pediatrician should have that test for their children, their, their, their patients, because it can prevent so many other issues growing up, you know, the development right. of bone and, and development of the brain, all of that, because vitamin D is so essential for mitochondrial function, is it not? Right. Right, it is. It is. And you're totally right about the need for children to have this tested, because a lot of children are deficient in vitamin D. And this is because it's not always easy to get it via our diet. And unless you're eating, you know, a diet that's rich in a variety of foods that contain it or consuming foods that are fortified with vitamin D, it can be kind of hard to get it just through the foods that we eat alone. That's why it's often important that we supplement vitamin D. Um, And a lot of times, you know, especially among kids, they're just picky eaters or they're not, you know, aware of the need to eat in this particular way. And parents might not be aware of it too. And it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, this could be the cause of behavioral problems in some kids. And so if your kids are irritable and cranky, you know, that could be potentially associated with a vitamin deficiency. That's right. And you know, Dr. Nicole, I am someone who loves the sun. I've been outdoorsy my whole life and I'm always tan. But I'll tell you what, uh, many, many years ago, I started checking my vitamin D levels, gosh, maybe 15 years ago, so long ago. But anyway, back then, my vitamin D level was so low, even with me going out in the sun. And, yep. and of course, about seven years ago, I did the 23andMe. When it first came out, 23andMe, and I found out that I have the VDR um, uh, receptor problem. I have homozygous VDR issues, the TAC, BSM, you know, those, those two. Anyway, so I said, you know what? I'm not getting enough because it's not about the sun. It's just I've got a genetic defect here. So I had to crank up the level of vitamin D intake. And I had to literally take 15,000 IUs for a long time. 
I don't mean like a week. I mean months for me to get my levels up. Now in my practice, I, I like it when my patients can have it above 50, preferably anywhere from 50 to 70, 75. Uh, what's yeah. your take on the best way to get vitamin D? Well, I think like you said, you know, obviously we want to try to be as natural as we can when it comes to these things. So the ideal dream would be to be able to get enough of it from the foods that we're eating and from the sun. But the truth is that that's not realistic. Just because you spend a lot of time in the sun doesn't mean you're absorbing the vitamin D that we get from the sun. And most of us are, you know, trying to avoid the sun because we're worried about, you know, the damage that it can cause to our skin. And so I think that, you know, and again, on the other side of that, the foods that we eat, unless you're eating a variety of foods that contain vitamin D, you're not necessarily going to get it from just the foods that you eat. So I really think it has to be a combination of those three things. I think it has to be a combination of, you know, hopefully getting a little bit of acceptable amounts of sun that's healthy for us, um, eating a variety of foods that contain vitamin D, but then also supplementing. I think that that's, that's really critical when it comes to this particular vitamin. I think that, you know, and especially when it comes to kids, it's important. And, you know, there are options available for kids to get vitamin D supplements. So there's gummies available. For instance, Gummy Fusion makes a gummy, gummy that contains vitamin D that, you know, is something that kids can easily take. And it's just a great way to make sure that you're getting what you need. And, again, it's not about just getting enough vitamin D in one particular day. It's about getting it for, you know, a sustained period of time that, so that your body can adapt to those appropriate vitamin D levels. That's I also such think a good for adults, Yeah, yeah. I also think for adults, too, you know, supplementing. And, again, if adults aren't fans of eating gummies, there's other options available, too. Um, like, for instance, Frunetta makes a great vitamin D supplement that's a sublingual. So it's a really tiny pill that you take under your tongue, and that just gives you, you know, a straight amount of vitamin D, and it doesn't have a lot of the other, you know, um, things that Sugar you find additives. in a larger type of vitamin. Yeah, a lot of the, you know, and for people who have a hard time taking pills, um, that's another option. So I think that supplementing is really critical when it comes to this because, like I said, it's just impossible to do alone with food and the sun in a sustained period of time. Right, right. I mean, a lot of people don't want to take cod liver oil, you know, because yeah. uh, there's yeah. high levels of vitamin are... D there. And right, the sun... right, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of options. I mean, that's the thing about vitamin D is there are lots of sources. So right. you're not stuck with one particular thing. But I think, you know, it's good to explore the fact that either you, you might need to think about alternative ways to get it, not just from the food and the sun, which is what I think most people think of when they think about vitamin D. Right. I, I, I know that, you know, you don't have to. It all depends on what area of the world that you're living on. If you're in the higher latitudes, it's harder for you to get vitamin D because the ultraviolet B rays are not as strong. And and then you're not going to be, be penetrating into your skin, which is where you make the vitamin D from cholesterol. That's something that people don't realize is that vitamin D is made from cholesterol. And if, um, and in fact, I, I read a study where if you're uh, in the summertime, your cholesterol level goes down a bit because you're making more vitamin D because you're in the sun more. But one of the things I, that I... What? Yes? Oh, no, I said I completely agree, right. And and another thing related to that, because people have to realize it's not vitamin D working in isolation. One of the real reasons why we need vitamin D is so that we can have a good utilization of calcium. And so bone health is critical, right? And calcium is what we often think of when it comes to bone health, but we need vitamin D to be able to properly utilize the calcium to make our bones healthy. 
That's right. And now, you know, many, many people are talking about, and the cardiologists, of course, the the calcification of the blood vessels causing heart disease. And some of it is because of vitamin D deficiency. So if you get that vitamin D in you, you may be able to decalcify. Isn't that correct? It is. It is. And I think, you know, it's funny you brought up about the, the sort of you know, geographical issues that are related to getting vitamin D that people who live in the north don't often get a lot of it. Um, another disorder that is associated with and linked to vitamin D deficiency is uh, multiple sclerosis, which a yes. lot of people don't realize there's a very, very strong correlation between geographic region and the development of MS. And people who live in northern parts of the world are more at risk for developing MS, and there's lots of research that's now linking that to the fact that those individuals happen to often be deficient in vitamin D. Yes, exactly. Now, those individuals, I tell them, start moving down south. You know, because yep. it, it may make a huge difference. No, it's I've got a few patients right now in the northern state, up in uh, Washington, and they actually have multiple sclerosis. So um, that that's something that's to be said. I think that's really important. I, you know, there's actually a, a a vitamin D lamp available out there. Are you aware of that? Have you seen that at all? I haven't heard of that. Yeah, I, I saw it online. I don't know if it works. It's pretty expensive. But you know what? Maybe that's such an that's an option for people who live in areas that are higher in the northern latitudes um, so that they can at least get some of it. And you don't need a lot. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer that when you take your vitamin D, you have to take it with food. One of my patients, you know, I was wondering, why isn't your vitamin D going up? We've been giving it to you, supplementing. And then I asked her when she takes it, and she takes it with her coffee without any food. And, of course, it's not being absorbed because it's a fat-soluble vitamin. So I had I told her, you got to eat it with a meal, where there's a fatty meal. It's That's super important. Uh-huh. People don't realize that fat is, this is a, a fat-soluble vitamin, so you've got to take it with food. Right. It, it is important. I often suggest, you know, if you get in the routine of taking your supplements in the morning and you have them with breakfast, that's a really good way to do it. Because if you could have maybe like an avocado, for instance, with your breakfast, you know, that's a really great source of healthy fats, and it's going to help with the absorption of these fat-soluble vitamins that we tend to often take as supplements. The good point that you're making there is for breakfast is, you know, when is the sun up? When you think about it, we're trying to mimic what's natural. By taking the supplement, we're mimicking what's natural, how our body utilizes it, how our body needs it. And, of course, during the day is when we are most, it's most important uh, so that we can go ahead and uh, use that for mitochondrial function, energy production, and all that. And, And so taking the vitamin D in the morning is a great idea, of course, with your meals. I so it, it helps to kind of, like you said, mimic the natural circadian flow that our bodies would experience. And so, you know, this, we're very dependent on the sun. And so we have all these hormones in our body that change depending on whether or not the sun is out. Um, and so there's this very, very strong circadian link and, you know, the time of day link to the sort of ebb and flow of lots of our hormones, including our stress hormones like cortisol, for instance. And so I think the best thing would be to try to mimic that as best we can when we supplement by, you know, trying to follow as close to what nature would do um, when we're trying to supplement with some of these items. That's perfect. I love that. Great. You know, uh, speaking of cortisol, vitamin D also helps with inflammatory conditions. Can you give us a little example? It doesn't have to be all the biochemistry, but what is going on and why is vitamin D making those changes and reducing inflammation? 
Yeah, well, I think that the big thing is that it's affecting, you know, intracellular processes. And so when we have appropriate amounts of vitamin D on board, we are just utilizing our resources better. And so our body is just basically able to function better. And so we're not going to have those inflammatory responses that would often occur, you know, when we have this sort of an autoimmune response to other things that are happening in our bodies and in our environment as our body's way of protecting ourselves. And so basically inflammation is a result of our, our body mounting an attack on something that it's perceiving as a threat. And so this is often an autoimmune response that just occurs as a natural process to try to protect us from whatever threat is happening. And so when we have a proper balance of vitamins and other nutrients in our bodies, we're essentially leveling out the playing field so that our bodies are in homeostasis and so that we're not going to have those types of inflammatory responses um, and we're not going to have these types of reactions occurring on the intercellular level. Good point. Good point. Uh, I'm I'm a mitochondriac, <laughs> and what I mean by that is that uh, I love everything about mitochondria and mitochondrial health. I wrote the book, the seven. Excuse me, the mito, mighty mito, and um, and I know. I mean, in that book, I talked about vitamin D, but I just recently read exactly what goes on inside the mitochondria, and that vitamin D actually quelches, it reduces, it doesn't turn on the um, re, um, reactive oxygen species. The and it's, it's almost like an antioxidant. It prevents the the free radical damage inside the mitochondria. So I think that's what you're talking about too. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a great point. I mean, you know, we often, you know, us science nerds like to get down to these like nitty gritty details, right? But, yeah. you know, it, it, so much of what's happening in our bodies and how we feel often comes down to what's happening in the insides of the insides of our cells. And it's just so important for us to make sure that we're you know, living in this environment and creating a nutritional environment that's going to support that the best that we can. Great. Okay. So we talked about, we definitely need vitamin D and the way we can take it orally. Uh, You can get in the sun and some food products, of course, food, but you know what, can we get too much vitamin D as well? It's highly unlikely. Um, Again, it is a fat-soluble vitamin, so that means we store it in our bodies, right? And so unlike other types of vitamins that are water-soluble, that we're going to excrete the parts that we don't use. So if you take a water-soluble vitamin, you'll excrete whatever you're not using. We're not really going to store it. That's why it's important for the water-soluble vitamins for us to take them, you know, all the time on a regular basis because we're not ever storing anything really. Fat-soluble vitamins are a little bit different in the sense that we do happen to store some of it, but the thing that's unique about vitamin D is that we're utilizing so much of it. And so it's such a big component of, you know, like I said earlier, you know, managing our bone health and just the way in which we're functioning in terms of intracellular processes that even though we technically store it, we use it up pretty quickly. So while there's always obviously with a fat-soluble vitamin the possibility of overdoing it, it's it's very unlikely with this type of vitamin. What's your experience clinically? Have you seen any issues with that with any of your patients? I've only seen um, one individual who was taking a huge amount of vitamin D, and that actually ended up being from a prescription. He was taking 50,000 IUs all at once, and it went over 110. This was from another doctor. And oh, it went to uh, um, 110 nanogram per m- milliliter. And you know what? He did not have any terrible symptoms. I mean, he didn't have any negative negative drawback from it. So, 
he felt really good. He felt really good. Um, and, you know, he, it was interesting. He had an autoimmune condition. And we know that vit- vitamin D can modulate autoimmune issues. And he had an autoimmune thyroid condition. And that was the one that drove down the autoimmunity issue. So oh. that, isn't that interesting? The thyroglobulin, antithyroglobulin, and the TPO antibodies went down from the high levels of vitamin D. Wow, that's really interesting. Isn't it? So, yeah, um, I typically think about, you know, typically we think about excess amounts. I mean, there's obviously, you know, guidelines in terms of you can see when you go buy vitamin D supplements, like the, you know, internal units that they come in and, you know, what the like amounts are that are available to get some guidance in terms of what would be considered like an appropriate amount to take. But I think it, it raises a good point. It really depends on your condition and, and you know, what's going on health-wise because some people may have a need to take a much higher dose than, you know, what somebody who is, you know, relatively healthy might, you know, find to be an appropriate dose for them. So I think that's why it's important to work with a practitioner and and talk with somebody if you have questions about how much vitamin D you should be taking, because I really do think there's a lot of, you know, interpersonal variability in terms of what's the ideal amount to take. That's right. And, and, you know, for me, it was my, I, I knew genetically, I just was not binding the vitamin D properly because my receptors were off. So I needed to get higher levels for it, it to create some action. Can you talk a little bit about VDL, vitamin D receptor? You know, you might be the better person to talk about the receptor since you have the experience with having the deficiency. I, To be honest, I'm not all that versed in, you know, how that works in terms of vitamin D in particular. Yeah, there's. it's interesting. I've, I do a lot of genetic testing in my practice, and I find that the about 50%, if not more, you know, maybe 50, 60% have a, a VDR, vitamin D receptor um, deficiency, or I should say more of an, a variant. Um, a lot right. of them have heterozygous, meaning they have one variant, and a lot also have double. And those individuals with double are the ones that need higher levels, and it takes a lot so, longer. Is it much like what happens with, like, receptors for um, neurotransmitters where, you know, if you don't have enough receptors, then the vitamin's not going atta- to gonna be absorbed and it's not going to be it. utilized, basically just floating around there, not having a, a function, and you end up excreting it. Exactly, exactly. The vitamin D cannot fit into that that little keyhole, and then it cannot turn on the good um, en- enzymatic pathways. And so then the cellular metabolism is affected by that. Right. Yeah, that's really important for people to know about because, you know, that just goes to show that no matter how much you might be taking, if it's, it might not be effective um, because of, you know, a receptor issue, it might, you know, just not basically be able to do its job, if you will, um, unless you take much higher doses just when it, these types of situations arise. That's right. So then that, like that other patient of mine who ha- was taking it in higher dosages, maybe that, that, um, obviously that individual, he needed higher levels to really saturate those receptors and get, get the, um, uh, the enzymes to work properly, turn off the bad genes, turn on the good ones, and modulate his immunity. And even though the blood level was high at the cellular level, which we can't test, who, how can we test that, right? We can't, right. we don't know what's going on in the receptors. So uh, maybe that's what was going on, and that's why he did so well with high levels. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly, doesn't it? 
You know, a lot of my patients, I treat a great deal of chronic fatigue syndrome, um, mainly from Epstein-Barr, Candida overdose, as well as myto my mycotoxins uh, from mold toxicity. I treat a great deal of environmental issues. And the number one symptom of all of them is fatigue, obviously, fatigue. Uh. And depression comes in with it, too, because depression is just a symptom, one of the symptoms of inflammation, right? So... I think that vitamin D, because you know, pretty much everyone I test on vitamin D, if I do with a blood test, and I'd say, I'd say 90%, if not more, need extra vitamin D. So I believe that that really helps, and I think you'd believe that too. I do, yeah, I do, and I think, like you said, you know, there's so many disorders out there that are linked to vitamin D deficiency, whether or not you know directly as a part of the disorder, like you just mentioned, the Epstein Barr virus. Um, that's actually a virus that's also tied to multiple sclerosis, both of which are tied to low levels of vitamin D. And so, you know, these disorders seem to all, you know, it, that share common types of features in terms of symptoms, you know, many of them come back to having vitamin D deficiency involved as well. And I think that's why it's important, too, that, you know, people, while they're, you know, looking into reasons why they might experience certain symptoms, you could have a vitamin D deficiency and also have something else going on. So just because, you know, you are lethargic or fatigued or whatever the symptoms may be, I think it's really important to, you know, investigate these things pretty much in depth because a lot of these different diseases and disorders and conditions overlap in terms of the symptoms and many involve, you know, vitamin D deficiency as well as potentially other types of complications that could occur as well. Oh, such a such a great point about regarding the virus component in these chronic illnesses and autoimmune thyroid too. You know, Hashimoto is related to Epstein Barr virus, right? So, and again, that can wrap into the vitamin D deficiency. Gosh, it's always so interesting. All of this, Dr. Nicole, where can we find more about you? Yeah, so I um, have a lot of information about the research that we do and different things going on in my lab at my website, which is drnicoleavina.com. And there's links to my books and events and all different things and lots of resources for people who are interested in learning about nutrition and health, um, focused on, you know, moms and babies, but also just general health and wellness for adults too. Well, you gave us such great information on vitamin D. We all need more vitamin D, everyone. And then, of course, you know, if you want to go more and dig, dig deeper and look into what Dr. Nicole's doing, go to Dr. Nicole Avena, A-V-E-N-A dot com. Thank you so much. That was great information. And, you know, if you're listening to the show right now and and uh, you want to learn, you know, more, obviously, share this also with your or loved ones, I know that when you share this information, it can change their life for the better. Now, if this is your first time listening in, make sure to subscribe so I can continue and uh, to help you today. And, and also connect with me in, on Instagram at Dr. Suzanne. I post regularly on how to become the best version of yourself through nutrition, self-care, lifestyle, and kimchi. My book, Kimchi Book, is coming out, The Kimchi Diet, and that's coming out soon. So uh, take a look at that. And what's great is that I engage with you directly on Instagram. I will respond to all of the comments personally. And if you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. So you can get my contact info on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.